The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 10th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Beautiful, beautiful day here in Sonoma County. I have two special guests with me this morning. Joining me on the phone for the first segment will be activist Susan Lamont, who will be giving us an overview of what happened on August 6th at the Sonoma County Board of Supervisors regarding the Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach called ILERO. And what I found out is what happened is the Board of Supervisors placed on the ballot the Evelyn Cheatham Effective ILERO Ordinance and it's really an exciting, exciting moment. And I want to do a special shout out for all the people that showed up and gave public comment. It was an amazing experience listening to everybody. A little mis- a little information about ILERO. ILERO's mission is to strengthen the relationship between the sheriff's office and the community it serves through outreach and the promotion of greater transparency of law enforcement operations. Wow, boy, what a, what a what a wonderful event it was and congratulations to the community for coming out and letting their voices be heard and thank you to the supervisors for listening hopefully and getting this on the on the ballot but i i know there's a little controversy around it and susan will be talking about that well happy 100th anniversary this is august the passage of the 19th amendment guaranteeing and protecting women's constitutional right to vote. To address this historic anniversary, joining me on the phone will will be one of my favorite interviews that I do every year at this time, uh, Molly Murphy-McGregor, who is one of the founders of the National Women's History Alliance. We'll be talking about the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, and we will also be talking about some of the events, and of course, there's going to be a lot of Zooming, a lot of different ways that we're going to be celebrating here in this uh, pandemic time, let's put it that way. Uh, let me give you a little bit of history about the Women's History Alliance. It was at first known as the Women's History Project. In 1980, the National Women's History Project, NWHP, was founded in Santa Rosa, California, right here in our hometown by Molly Murphy McGregor, Mary Ruth Stoddard, Maria Cuevas, Paula Hemet, and Betty Morgan wonderful group of women that really showed that persistence, persistence is the key to uh, making things happen. And I also like the first letter in P for persistent. Let's you know, we got to be persistent for peace and for a better way and more justice. Well, anyway, uh, they began to broadcast women's historical achievements. Um, the NWHP started by leading a coalition of successfully lob- uh, lobbyists to Congress to designate March as National Women's History Month, now celebrated across the world. And today we have the National... Uh, History Alliance, which is known nationally, and it's just amazing some of the 
things that they do. Well, I'm going to run this show just a little bit different uh, this morning. Uh, joining me on the phone is uh, one of my favorite guests, Susan Lamont. Good morning, Susan. Hi, Elaine. In fact, Susan was one of the first people to be on my show, and I just want to thank her from the bottom of my heart. She's been one of the one of the lead people in in getting this Iolero uh, 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 ordinance on the ballot, and I really appreciate you coming here and talking to us about this. Let me tell you a little bit about Susan. Susan is a longtime peace and social activist who is currently affiliated with the Sonoma County Green Party. It was amazing when I voted for her to be on this at the time I was on the Green Party when I voted for her to be on on the uh, committee it was the first time I knew anybody that personally on the uh, ballot uh, she also is part of the police brutality coalition and veterans for peace welcome Susan welcome again to women's spaces and let's start to begin to talk about this wonderful wonderful uh, ordinance the Evelyn Cheatham effective Arlero ordinance can you begin and tell us a little bit about the ordinance and why you believe it's important and a little bit of its history. Well, that would take the whole show. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the whole thing began with, um, obviously, the killing of Andy Lopez, which eventually led to the creation of the office, um, the Iolero office. And uh, the first director was Jerry Threet. And many of us, many of us attended uh, the public meetings that were held. And... Uh, were very, very involved um, because at that time you could be very involved in working on policy and making recommendations that would go to the sheriff's office. And over the course of that three years that Jerry was director, he, you know, encountered many stumbling blocks to doing uh, what he was expected to do, what, you know, to make the um, office effective, essentially. Um, to invest to review the um, investigations done by the sheriff's office and to uh, be involved in making recommendations and uh, all the all the parts of the the mission and so at the end of his uh, time uh, he put together an ordinance that addressed all the different things that might help get over those various stumbling blocks he'd, he'd encountered. And so he gave that to the Board of Supervisors in December of 2018, and they said at the time that they would um, consider it, and then they did not. So they were essentially given almost a year to consider it, and they wouldn't. So it was determined that... Um, we just have to take it to the ballot as as a way to to try to get it passed. So that's um, the history of where we are. The, you know, we we were collecting uh, signatures to get it on the ballot, and then shelter in place happened. And how we many sig- do that how anymore? Ma- how many signatures did you actually need? I don't know because we still. Oh, how many did we need? We needed like twenty one thousand. I think so. They, it was we don't the, know how many we had because because people all over the place had these have these petitions, and we you know we got some of them back, but most of them we don't have back. So we there's you know we don't know what we had at that time, but um, so that that brought us to the point of well, okay, um, either we drop this, either we wait till to 2022, or we petition the um, board of supervisors 
to put it on the ballot. And so that's what we did, and we actually created the change.org petition, and that has just the fraction under... 10,000 signatures on it. Today. Oh my goodness. So it shows that there was a lot of community. Yeah. You know, was, what yeah. was very, yeah. what was very interesting to me, there were two meetings. The first meeting and the second meeting. The first meeting was with uh, a discussion group discussing uh, the pros and cons of it. And then the second meeting was with the Board of Supervisors. What I found so well, interesting. There, there were two Board of Supervisors because the Board of Supervisors had to vote whether they were going to put on the ballot and then they were talking about amending it so they had to have a second meeting about it so, so there were three meetings so yeah. but but yeah, i but, but but going back to that first meeting i was stunned it felt like people were discouraging they kept oh well if you go to the ballot you're not i mean it was almost like they were saying don't go to the ballot because it's not going to pass and we'll do something different and i think with ten thousand signatures i think it shows that people are very much aware of what is going on in this community would you agree with that well, we certainly hope they are because we've sure been talking about it for a long time. I mean, this is something that's really, you know, as, as long as I've been involved, the, the issues that are now on this ordinance were talked about back in 2014 and 15 with the CAIA task force. And obviously there have been activists working on this for actually several decades. Um, so we certainly hope it is in the public eye, and we've been in the paper about it uh, quite a number of times. I think I think the part that that worried people was uh, if we had gotten this on the ballot through signatures, our campaign um, would have begun in May. But now the campaign doesn't actually begin until August, so that's a big delay. And uh, so we, you know, we have a lot of catching up to do. And so there are people who are worried about that. And they looked at it as, well, if we have the supervisors just pass this stuff, then we don't have to go to the ballot. Now, the pro- two problems with that. They didn't have to pass everything. They could pick and choose. They wouldn't have to pass everything. And secondly, if they pass it, they can unpass it anytime they want. Well, also, also, when you think about, there was a report that came out in 2000 from the United States uh, Commission yeah. on, on, on Human Rights. And what I found so interesting about that report, I mean, I read it thoroughly. I even had Mary Moore on, uh, who's yeah. another activist who worked very right. hard mm-hmm. on this. And for me, I read I, it too. <laughs> yeah, and when you read the recommendations, I mean, they're right in front of you, and then the community, yeah. then the uh, the Commission of Union Rights here in Sonoma County did another report, and they made recommendations. And the thing that yeah. is so stunning to me is why it's taking so long. Well, you know, can you give us an idea? Do you know how many people? I mean, I I was just. Let me tell you, when I was on that Zoom listening, I got so caught up into all the, the different statements people made. And at first when I saw they were only allowing a minute, I said, oh, my God, you know. But then I realized there right. were a lot of people. And I yeah. was I was so impressed with what people did with that one minute. And, and so much variety. I know. It was it yeah. was very, yeah. very impressive. In fact, if I believe that Zoom is online if you go to the city, uh, to the Board of Supervisors and check it out. I'm pretty sure that they recorded it. Well, it, will, it will eventually. Sometimes it takes them a little while to get the things up and i haven't looked to see if it's up yet but it, it will definitely be up okay so so it. what happened so, so what you had all this so that, it, I'll just you, you you know one i i decided that um it would be fun to sit there and tick off you know how many people were were speaking 
And first they ran a list of everybody who had written emails. And that was something like, I don't know, you know, it went by pretty fast, but I'd say it's about 175 emails they received. Wow. And then they had recorded comments, so I counted those. And then they had live comments. So it added up to approximately, give or take, I might have missed, you know, a couple, 313 people commenting. Wow, that's a and lot. And there was one comment against, and all the others were four. Well, maybe that's why that maybe that's why there's so much resistance because they know once the people have the chance, you know that they're that they will vote because we need oversight. I mean, every every day you turn on the radio, it's something different that's happening with law enforcement. Well, now you got you're getting it on the ballot, and I mm-hmm. I know I know there's been. Can, a, I, can I make one more point? About, sure, go uh, ahead. You know, um, I think I think that the resistance is really unfortunate because and, and misguided. Because this isn't an anti-law enforcement ordinance. It's just about making them accountable. And it, once, once um, you know that, that a, the law enforcement agency is acting in accordance with the law and in co- accordance with respect to the, the citizens, the, the community, then trust increases. And everybody is safer, including law enforcement officers. Absolutely. When when there is a justified trust between people. And I I just think they should welcome that. I think everybody should welcome that. It's the an end to when my son in law went into police training, the very first thing he was told was it's us against them. That has to end. And that thinking has to end, and it it has it it, it needs to be a um, communal project. Well, to we me, want the, we want this better. And let's work together to make it better. To me, it's real simple. You know, we all are part of this planet. We're part of this community. We're all in this together. We need police to support us when there are difficult times because things happen, fires happen, robberies, all kinds of different things happen. I mean, we live in a a culture, a society. And when everybody feels trusting and safe, it, it makes it a lot easier. And, you know, people don't understand. One of the things that I've been doing some research is what people mean by the word defund police. They don't mean take the police out of the community. They mean let's take some of the funds and put them into other areas that will help them and enhance their ability to give better service to our community well listen right. and that's and that's difficult and that's more difficult in a um in a board of supervisors sheriff relationship because sheriff's independently elected and the board of supervisors has more restrictions around you know what it can say about the budget in a, in a city it's direct employee relationship, and the city can can say, "I'm taking this away from here and putting it over there." Well, um, I've, but when you look at it, when you look at it, we the people elect the sheriff. That means if we the people are electing him, he should be serving us. He should be. He oh should, yeah. Not it. It's it's not a them or us. It's we. We are all together. No, no I, I'm just saying. It's, no, it's a little more complicated than in the in the city situation. Oh, and no, so I, I know need what to you make mean. clear that with the with the one percent, you know, it's the um, part of this ordinance is that the uh, it just about triples the budget of uh, 
of Iolero, making it the equivalent of 1% of the sheriff's budget. That what that money does not come out of the sheriff's budget and go to Iolero. It's separate money. Just just need to be clear about that. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure when the uh, <laughs> when they start fighting it, we're going to hear all kinds of things. So now that you got oh, yeah. it, you got it on the ballot. Now, what are the next mm-hmm. steps? Can you tell people about your website, how to get a hold of you, and any any Absolutely. kind of support you need? Yes, yes. So we do have a website with just tons of information on it, and I'll give you that. It is socoeffectiveoversight.org, and it's S O C O for Sonoma County effectiveoversight.org and when you um, go on it there's a sort of an orange bar at the top and on on the right it says get involved and when you um, click on get involved there is you can donate and definitely we have to hire a campaign manager there's you know there's expenses here and print stuff so we definitely need donations and there's endorse, so you can get on the endorsement list. And if you belong to an organization, you can work to get your organization, as you did with, with now. And uh, there's a volunteer. So we need all of that. We need this shared. But when you go on the website, it will tell you about us, how we got started. It will give the whole history of why Iolero even exists. And it will give you the ordinance text. It will tell you the amendments were made. It will tell you what those amendments are and the list of endorsers. So there's a lot of information on that on that website. And uh, Give it one more time, Susan. Yes. Uh, SocoEffectiveOversight.org. Well, I want to personally thank you for being on. Yeah. Women's Spaces, and I really want to thank you and Jerry Tweet and all Tweet yeah. and all the people that were involved in writing this ordinance. Say thank yeah. you. I mean, it's a definitely a community e- effort, and it demonstrates yeah. more than anything that I've seen in a long time that if we the people are persistent. We have to be persistent. We cannot give up, and we have to hold our vision very strong in our minds and hearts. So I want to thank you That's so right. much for all you do. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you again. And uh, as I always tell my listeners, every all the websites, all the information you've heard will be on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com. Now, there's a, something, a very special, oh my goodness, Susan, thank you so much. There's a very uh-huh. special, this is a very special day today. And I want to do a shout out because in August 10th, you know, our history is our strength. You know, our history is our strength. It took us 72 years from the first meeting at Seneca Falls before we could even win. We won the right to vote. The 19th Amendment was not given to us. We won it. We struggled for it. And August the 10th, 1993, and a real shout out, and I hope she's doing well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was sworn in as the second woman and the 107th justice to serve on the United States Supreme Court. And I want to thank Justice uh, Ginsburg for all the wonderful work she does, and and uh, congratulations to her. 1993, that was she was the second woman to go on the Supreme Court, and then also on August 13th, uh, 1818, I want to wish happy birthday to Lucy Stone, who is a suffragette and supporter of rights for women and African Americans, boldly kept her own name when she married. 
<laughs> is that interesting? Right now, everybody you know is dash this and dash that, and no, 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 no. Anyway, before we bring, before we take a musical break here, um, I want to make one announcement. I want you to mark your calendars for this Thursday, August 13th, the National Organization for Women, now the Sonoma County. Uh, uh, county chapter which i am president of will have its meeting via via zoom we're inviting members and guests you know if you want to find more information go on to www.nowsonomacounty.org or call 545-5036 area code 707 that's 707-545-5036 and someone will call you back with all the information and we are so excited we are going to have kalika siegel on who is the president and California now and she's going to talk about all kinds of different things that that now is opening their hearts and minds to and as our guest speaker will be Dr. Kim D. Hester Williams who's a teacher at Sonoma State in the Women's Studies and Gender Studies Department and she's going to be talking about a subject that we all need to know about and that is the African American women's involvement and how they supported the movement the suffrage movement even though they were not going to be allowed to to vote amazing 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 women and we need to honor them there's been a a big divide between women of color and caucasian women and we need to come together as women like i always say when people ask me who am i i say i am a woman first then everything else follows but we are women and we must collectively come together well we're going to take a musical break and I'm going to play, it's going to, we're going to play about half of it. Uh, Cam will play about uh, three minutes of it. It's called Bad Romance. It's, it's, it's a great song and there's so much controversy around this song that it just blows my mind. Um, this song, A Bad Romance, was, uh, uh, published by a group called Somo Publishing and I found out that the video is a parody of light, of Lady Gaga's Bad Romance and the lyrics were added by Sonoma, uh, Sonoma Publishing. And when you listen to this song, remember it took us 72 years since the Seneca Falls Convention, which was the first women's rights convention, and it advertised itself as a convention to discuss the social, civil, and religious conditions and rights of women, held in Westland Chapel of the town of Seneca Falls, New York. It spanned two days from July 19th to July 20th in 1848, and the leader was Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and 72 years later, women won the right to vote. When we return, I will be talking with Molly Murphy McGregor, one of the co-founders of the National Women's History Month. We will be talking about the history of the National Women's History Project, now changed to the National Women's History Alliance, and the significance of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of this amendment, which gave women the right to vote. And in my mind, like I said, it was not the right. We won the right. And what's, how has it changed? How has it, what is, how has it impacted us? Have women moved forward? Or are they moving backwards? How is it now here in 2020 when we're celebrating 100 years? So let's go ahead and listen to the bad romance. Oh, 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 oh,
I hear that song, I just go nuts. By the way, you can see, you can hear the whole song and see the whole parody on YouTube. It's an amazing piece of work, it really is. And you should really, you should contact SOMO and let them know that you've heard it and how much you appreciate it. Well, for you just joining us, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is one of my dear, dear oldest friends, Molly Murphy McGregor, who is one of the founders of the National Women's History Project, now called the National Women's History Alliance. Welcome, Molly. Welcome to Women's Spaces. 
Oh, thanks, Elaine. What a what a joyful time. I'm with you. I, I just I can't get enough of that video. I just think the people are are so creative and clever, and they cover it all. So. I know. I mean, they, they they really show the horrors that women mm-hmm. went through that we don't know about. Well, before uh-huh. before we start, I'd just like to tell folks just a little bit about you. Is that okay? Uh, sure. Molly McGregor. <laughs> I, you know, I remember Molly McGregor and I went to Sonoma State. That's my claim to fame that I walked down with her and was talking about having a women's art show. I'll never forget it as long as I live. <laughs> Molly is a former uh, high school social studies teacher who has worked for over 35 years in the field of gender equity and women's history. Molly conducts women's history workshops and women's historical site tours throughout the country. She also works with state and national agencies on strategies and programs to help acknowledge and recognize the historic contribution of women. Her work in the field of multicultural women's history has been widely recognized, including awards from the National Education Association, the U.S. Department of Education, and the National Association for Multicultural Education, and the Association for Gender Equality Leadership in Education. Molly is accessible through email at nwhp1980 at gmail.com you know as I read your bio here uh, Molly and I think of us walking and talking about women and art and then did you ever think in your wildest dreams that it would end up in the place that it's ended up oh my god I didn't even think a year well I should say two years ago that we would have ever had what we're having this year even in the middle of this uh terrible virus uh it's just extraordinary i mean the the new generation of course has taken it to a whole new level as new generations do but it it's it's just beyond well, there's so many celebrations that now have moved they're going to be on zoom and online but we're we're carrying it right through to uh throughout 2021 we figure if they can do 10 years for lewis and clark we certainly can do two years for the centennial and really i'm not exaggerating when i say there are hundreds of thousands from from little tiny parades you know because because people can't um they can't do the event that they were going to do so now they're doing a a parade like in front of Harriet Tubman's house, but they're staying with their masks and six feet apart, and just or, or people are getting in cars and doing the parades that way, or just this whole array of of what we now have um, access. We have access to it because they're putting it all on Zoom or on YouTube, or it's it's amazing. The the statue in Central Park is is actually going to happen. I, I I don't know how they pulled it off, given how much the city was shut down. But they're going to stream that. Uh, they you know, people can't go to see it, but they're going to stream it. So we actually will get to see the statue of of uh, Soldier and Truth, uh, uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony. This beautiful bronze statue in Central Park, and it'll be the first statue that's ever been in Central Park about real women. They've had Mother Goose and things like that, but now we have this. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, monumental statue. Um, it's it's extraordinary. Well, uh, you know, talk I just, about. I can't. I can't even tell you how. Uh, every er, I, I get constant emails about you know little communities that say, well, because we keep sending out things about what's happening for for the centennial and for suffrage, and a lot of people are beginning on. Um, 
August the 18th. Well, before August we before we go into that, Molly, oh, okay. before we go into that, I want to backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk, you know, I mean, all these things that are happening are very, very exciting. But when we went to school together, and this was in the 1970s, mm-hmm. women's history and all this was not was not on the forefront. So what I'd like you to talk just a little bit about is that what motivated you and what why do you think it is so important that we have this this actual thing where women's history is actually being acknowledged well i i can actually tell you my conversion experience you know people write their biographies and they give their conversion experiences and i don't know if it's true or not but i can tell you mine i was a, a social studies teacher it was 1972 1972 was the banner year in the women's rights movement equal rights amendment passed congress seven states rushed to ratify it no problem um, it was going to be ratified. Shirley Chisholm ran for president of the United States. Uh, Title IX was written to be enacted in 1977. Uh, Barbara Jordan was elected uh, from Texas as the first black congresswoman since Reconstruction. I mean, it's just, it was a banner year. And I was a social studies teacher. It, you know, I was young. I was, I don't know, 24 or something. But still, I was a social studies teacher, and I had my five years of education to teach social studies. And one of my students said to me, I was married at the time, so she said to me, he said to me, Mrs. Obar, what is the women's movement? Well, I just told you all the things that were happening, right? And um, I looked at this young man, and I tried to look as intelligent as I possibly could and said, paused and said, wow, what a good question. Let's divide into groups and look at that from the perspective of the government, the church, society, history. And I, I didn't know the answer. I was totally stalling. But since the question always determines the answer, I thought it was a really good activity for these kids to come up with five or six questions about each of those categories. And I went home to my sacred shrine of history books, and one book, one chapter, was all about Seneca Falls and um, the First Women's Rights Convention in 1848, and it had never dawned on me that the reason that as a married woman I was teaching high school and wearing pants to school, I mean, how did that happen? It didn't just happen. You know, it happened because people put their lives on the line very often. So that was my conversion experience, and I realized I knew nothing. And so I quit my job as teaching and came up to Sonoma State um, and enrolled in the women's studies program. And it totally changed my life because, see, all these women, I mean, I I grew up in a white bubble. I didn't know anything about uh, women of color. I didn't know know much about anything. And so so I've spent my life ever since then. That's now... Oh, almost 50 years ago. <laughs> well, let me, ago. let me let me throw in a little story here. Talking uh-huh. talking about pants. <laughs> when I was in high school, I had the audacity to show up with a black turtleneck and pedal pushers, you know, those are three-quarter pants uh-huh. in black wearing gold hoop earrings and red lipstick and i was sent home because i was violating the dress codes and my mother and my mother calls the school and says thank you for suspending my daughter for a week she's really having a good time but it was it was so interesting because i got suspended because i was wearing pants i was wearing pedal pushes and i remember when it the liberating feeling i mean women now you know we walk around in pants all the time and we don't realize that what a struggle 
struggle it was to get us to be able to do that. So I just wanted to through that throw that in. Well, what are some? What were some of your early challenges? You know, what were? You know, how how did you get this ball rolling? I mean, it's just well, amazing. When you said you know the women's history was those two words together were, were unknown to most people. We would answer the telephone National Women's History Project, and they'd say the women's 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 what? And then, you know, we began developing curriculum right away, and we got so much backlash from from teachers who said, did you just make this up? You know, we had to make sure that we had citations for everything. People knew nothing about women's history. They knew nothing about Harriet Tubman. I mean, it was just astounding how little we people knew and so of course we were we were the ultimate experts because because we were learning and doing we became the the google of <laughs> women's history and yeah. also the clearinghouse mary Ruth's daughter who's one of the co-founders of the national women's history project now alliance um she she had our local library on speed dial because someone would say, was there an Asian-American woman pilot during World War II? Oh, and, goodness. of course, we didn't know that off the top of our heads, but there was Mary. And librarians, librarians know how to find everything. So, um, yeah, I, I often say we were, well, we were also the Facebook of uh, women's history originally, again, because of Mary and the kind of extensive work she did to network people, to let people know. And then when we did... We did a whole series, well, we did it for 15 years of, of a session. There were four, well, there were three days and then there were four days and finally there were five days because people kept saying we need more time. But they, the topic was a woman's place is in the curriculum and our whole point of view was to show people how easy it was to incorporate women no matter what you were teaching. All you had to do was ask new questions, you know, like, did this event impact men and women differently? And, you know, events do. Let's just take Vietnam for one. And then we'd say, and did it impact cultural groups differently? Like when we were talking about the pioneers coming across the America. Did it impact cultural groups differently? You betcha. So it was... It was all of that, and all uh, those teachers that came, you know, they were 40, 60, sometimes at a pop, they went back out. They were like little Johnny, we were like little Johnny, um, or, or I guess Jeanette, Appleseeds, uh, was spreading the word of women's history, and it was so incredibly affirming to discover the the power, the work, the tenacity, the intelligence, the brilliance of these women who had preceded us that we knew nothing about. So, yeah, it keeps me going every single day, and every single day I learn new things about um, about women, and, and I don't mean to idealize them, because women, like men, are uh, complicated, and so we're not happy with some of the decisions some women made at some times, but I'm not happy with some of the decisions I made at some times either. So well, you anyway, know, that, that's what keeps me going. It's really interesting, you know. I was I was just thinking about. I was at a I was at an event, and they had a uh, you know silent an auction, and there was this uh, poster, nineteen eighty uh, women's art, and I mm-hmm. bought it, and it's just beautiful. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually we're just they're displaying it now at the uh, at the. Um, Sonoma County Museum. Oh, wonderful. I couldn't believe it. I paid $25 for it, and it's actually the actual uh, artist signed it. But the question I have to you, in, in the 1980 art show, was that one of the first women's art shows in the United States? I think it was actually 79. It was 79. Um, it was, yeah, it was 79, and it was, in, it was at the um, fairgrounds. 
I didn't, I don't, to this day, I don't know who the women were that pulled that off. We didn't. I mean, it was, well, you know, there was such a sense of we could do anything with our grassroots movement. So it was a collection of women, uh, uh, clearly women artists, who did this fantastic show um, at, and, and, and filled the whole pavilion for the, um, at the fairgrounds. So, yeah, I'm sure it was among the first. Just as Women's History Week in Sonoma County, we were the first. Um, uh, you know, we, and then we became the prototype for other women's history events uh, throughout the country. First, we started with Women's History Week. We made it the week of March 8th because that's International Women's Day. And from the outset, we wanted to make sure that we were talking about all women, women um, internationally as well as women of all cultural groups, as well as women who are working inside and outside the home. So that's why it began as Women's History Week in 1980. And by 1981, well, by 1980, we, um, President Carter actually issued a presidential message. And then 81, we started getting congressional resolutions all the way up to 87. And then in 87, we, we, received, we, we worked for a congressional resolution that declared all of March as National Women's History Month. Wow, so what an accomplishment. It was, it was a story that just, you know, I don't know how many hours Betty Patterson, a.k.a. Betty Morgan, who was also one of the founders, was on the phone with, with Congress and congressional staff and all that stuff. And you can't believe the pushback the the congressional staff got for why would why do you think it's important to celebrate women? You know, they, no one would say that out loud today. I mean, they, they might say it, but they wouldn't say it out loud because because we're watching. You know, <laughs> well, we're Molly. We're going to take before when we come back. I'd like to talk about the hundredth anniversary now. But right now, let's take a musical break because there's a song I want to play by Earth Mama called "Standing on the Shoulders," mm-hmm. and I think it's a reminder to all my listeners out there to remember to remember that we are standing on the shoulders of women who sacrifice so much to get us what we have and it's so important that we not only recognize it but we continue with the work and not just let it slide by because all of a sudden a group decides that we have no right to have choice over our bodies or whatever is going on so let's listen to the song and when we come back I will be continuing my conversation with Molly Murphy McGregor who is one of the co-founders of the Women's History Alliance here in Sonoma County. So let's go ahead and listen to that song and we will be back in about three minutes. I am stronger for their courage. I am wiser for the words. I am lifted by their longing for a fair and brighter future. I am grateful for their vision, for their toiling on this earth. They are saints and they are humans They are angels, they are friends We can see beyond the struggles And the troubles and the challenge When we know that by our efforts Things will be better in the end
I am standing on the ones who came before me. Oh, my goodness. When I think of them meeting and all the things that happened, I think of Inez Mulholland riding that white horse on a parade where she got knocked off of it. And, oh, my goodness, what women what women went through. Well, welcome back. You are listening. Welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces. And I'm delighted to have on the phone with me Molly Murphy McGregor, who is the co-founder of the Women's History Project here in Sonoma County. Welcome back, Molly. Go ahead. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that I would love to do is, in the overphrase of like celebrating democracy, um, I'd like to put the civil rights march next to the enormous parades that women did. And then I'd like to put like, uh, this sounds terrible, but it's the truth, the beating of, of John Lewis and all those other people that those, those fascists beat up on next to them images of, of Alice Paul and the suffragists being force fed. Just, just to remind people that the, the complexity of our democracy and how this wasn't just, you know, people being sweet or something. We know that about the civil rights movement. We know that it was nonviolent because look at what they put up with. Well, so was the women's suffrage movement and it, it, it should be we should we should understand what those women sacrificed in order for us to have what we have. It wasn't that they were being nice or, you know, polite or anything. I mean, they sacrificed. They put their whole life on the line. Of course, Inez died, but although the women, some of the women never recovered from being force-fed um, as political prisoners. So I just I wish we had that that kind of um, image in our minds too. I, I know we really respect the work of the civil rights movement as well we should and I wish that at the same time people just had a comprehension of, of what women did um, for women's rights too. So. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, even though we went through women's studies and studied and I've studied for years and years, they had this program on PBS called The Vote and I had no idea what African American women went through and right. they couldn't even vote. They weren't even right. Right. going to get the vote. So I, I, I hope I'm going to just put this little plug in for my listeners. You know, now is having a Zoom on Thursday, August 13th, and we're going to be, one of our guest presenters is going to be a Dr. Kim D. Hester Williams, who's a teacher at Sonoma State, and she's going to talk about the black suffrage and what they went through. And we have to acknowledge as women, we that's why I always say to myself, I am a woman first, you know, and we have to gather for the future of our children, for our future. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, one of the things I want to ask you, you know, here in the past... Say a little bit more about your August 13th event and how people can zoom into it because, you know, it's really important. Well, we're going to be having, it's going to be a Zoom, and like I said, we're going to have Dr. Williams on, and it's going to be from uh, 6 uh, six to 8, and if 6 to 6.30, people will be tuning in, and they can, you know, chat with each other, and then we'll have a presentation, and you can go to uh, com, and there'll be all the Zoom information, and you can also go to the uh, org and there'll also be information on that website, and then also on Women's Space on Facebook. So there's three areas that you can uh, you can get that uh, information. And if you can't get it, just email me at elaine at womenspaces.com and I'll be happy to send it to you. And I'm very excited about it, you know, because now, now is a national organization and, and, and we really need to understand how much 
how much women, how much power women have when they come together and they persist. So that that's the question. And watching this and thinking about women's history, and and the fact that we now have the Women's History Alliance, and you know the project turned into the alliance. I, I realize it's expanded their capabilities by doing that. What 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 are some of the challenges that you think even today that women are facing? Are they well, I, 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 uh, besides misogyny and patriarchy, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> let's just see what they did to they did to Hillary during the campaign, and let's see what they do to whoever our next vice president's going to be. Um, right, pantsuits, right? <laughs> it, it's so it's so amazing that um, the disrespect that just the offhanded disrespect that uh, women still still receive. So. Um, you know, these half-hearted compliments. So I, I remember from the very get-go of working in the women's movement, they'd say, oh, well, you're not like most women. And it took everything for me to restrain myself, not to scream in their face and say, I'm exactly like most women. You just don't know who women are. So, Oh, good for you, baby. Still, <laughs> I, I still think it's just this uh, kind of unspoken misogyny. And, and that's why it's so important for people to learn facts, to know what women really did. You know, that... Um, even the other night, I heard uh, someone someone uh, uh, someone was talking about how women don't belong in science or something, and this woman said, "Yeah, how about Marie Curie?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, she was stupid enough to, you know, um, use use radiation to kill herself or something like that." I mean, it's like all these comebacks about these brilliant, genius women who changed the world, and yet there's always something, you know, negative that that someone somehow can can say and I think that we should the more we know the more we can and I and I I don't believe in um, you know preaching to people because I, I did that for years as you know <laughs> it wasn't as effective as I wanted to be but just when people say things like that I think the very best comeback is why would you say something like that and if we can come back with why would you say something like that maybe possibly the person will think about why did I say that you know am I afraid of women am I afraid of their accomplishments I mean I'm not putting these words in their mouth but I'm just saying the more we can when these misogynist god-awful things are said if we could just counter it with and why would you say that ask the person to explain themselves very you you don't have to do the work let them do the work let them have to think about it um, they'll just say, well, that's, you know, that's what is. And they'll say, well, why would you think that's what is? So well, no. that's that's my strategy now that, now that very, I'm no, very, very important. Very important. I always say, I always say, thank you for sharing. Can you give me an explanation for that? But anyway... <laughs> Talking about history, here we are in a hundred year anniversary, and of mm-hmm. course we're with this pandemic and all this other mm-hmm. stuff that's going. How can we find out what is going on? Is there any special events here in in the Northern California across the nation? And oh my God, there is so much going on. There's so much going on 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 Women's Equality Day itself. That's the day that they're going to actually put the the. Uh, statue in Central Park, but there's there's tons and tons of programs. If people want to, and we've been sending out emails, so if people are on our email list, they're, they've been getting them, but if they haven't, they can just email me um, at nwhp1980 at gmail.com and I'll send them the emails that we've been sending out. And in our, in our own county, you know, on the 18th, there's going to be, I'm going to be on a program that um, Leslie 
Uh, yeah, Leslie Graves. Leslie Graves then is going to be on the show next week to talk about. Oh, good. Things. Okay. Well, then she'll talk about it. But, t- but mention um, it. It's going to be on August the uh, eighteenth. It's going to be their kickoff. See, p- many people are using August eighteenth through the twenty sixth as their programming, and the reason they're doing that is because on August eighteenth, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, sorry, Tennessee became the thirty sixth state to ratify the nineteenth amendment. And you know, you needed to have two thirds of the states, and at that time we had fifty states. So we needed the 36th state, and trust me, it was touch and go when you talk about one vote mattering more than you can possibly imagine. But um, Harry, Harry Burns' mother wrote him about how important it was, and Harry Burns changed his vote at the last minute, and Tennessee became the 36th state to ratify the 19th Amendment. And then it took, that was, uh, that was on August the 18th, and then on August the 26th, it was finally certified by the Secretary of State, without ceremony, let me tell you. But anyway, he did it in his office. He certified it, and that's why we celebrate Women's Equality Day on August 26th. Um, Bella Abzug put that forth as a resolution when she was in the House of Representatives. And so we celebrate August 26th as the anniversary of the suffrage amendment, um, of, a, of it being finally certified. So that's why there'll be a lot of events from August the 18th all the way through the 26th. And just there's hundreds of them, hundreds of them that are on Zoom and Facebook. And just it's uh, the people's creativity just, oh, just it thrills me, inspires me. <laughs> well, you know, women, women, women have been created since we began creating life. <laughs> We've been creative. Well, Molly Murphy McGregor, who's the co-founder of the Women's History Project here in Sonoma County, I'm going to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on Women's Spaces. And just give us your website one more time and any last words that you have to say. We are actually coming to the end of the segment. Okay. Well, our website is, um, you can get get it with our old website, www.nwht.org. That'll take you there. And it has tons of resources about the centennial about resolutions about ideas it's just anything you might you might want to find and you can also get you can also get games and and books and all kinds of wonderful things right in our resource center which we're having a a sale so come join our summer sale uh you'll find uh, when you when you go to our homepage, you'll see it says uh nwha's a store uh, um you know, click on it and see if there's if you can't live without a sash or a parasol or you know something. Well, Molly Murphy McGregor, thank you once again for being on Women's Spaces. This is gone. It's almost becoming an annual event having you on this time of the month. <laughs> well, I'm very pleased to do it. And Elaine, thank you so much for for doing all the work you do to promote and celebrate and honor women. Well, you've been a great motivator for me, so I want to thank you too. You're welcome. Well, that's it for our show, folks. Thank you to activist Susan Lamont, and a special thank you and a shout-out to all the Board of Supervisors who passed that ordinance to get on the ballot The people, so the people can vote and decide. A special thank you to Molly Murphy McGregor, co-founder of the National Women's History Project, for all that she has done for women. And she's been, you know, I realize she thanked me, but she's been an inspiration for years and years, the, the persistence and the quality of work 
work and what she has brought forward and presented for women and their rights. Remember, folks, like I always say, remember our children are the future and we must never lose sight of that. You know, we must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening. And I really look forward to being with you the next time. And happy, happy anniversary, 100 years ago since we got the vote. And, you know, Molly mentioned something about misogyny and some of the issues around men. I think men have a problem because we hold the secret of life in our body. And that's why we must protect that. We must protect that at all costs. The women are women are very important and the children are our future. This is Elaine Beholt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you the next time. She's patient and she's waiting and she'll take you home now. The woman in your life, she can The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 10th, 2020.